Apple, almost $3 trillion in market cap, 120,000% all-time price return, $400 billion in annual revenue, $120 billion in annual free cash flow, $100 billion in cash and cash equivalents on the balance sheet, and a brand that inspires a tech company that doesn't stop innovating and a stock that pays consistent dividends. Apple is the perfect company. But a perfect company doesn't mean a perfect stock and investment. Apple is priced at more than 30 times its earnings and more than 7 times its sales. Can it grow in its current seemingly ambitious valuation? Today, I review Apple's latest product and feature announcement at its Worldwide Developers Conference, WWDC, and discuss its fundamental analysis and valuation to decide whether it can get even bigger than its current roughly $3 trillion market cap and whether it is still a good stock to buy now. Let's talk about that. I'm Hoda Meh, founder and CEO of StockCard, and on this channel, I share detailed fundamental analysis and interesting investment stories. Apple becoming the largest publicly traded company in the world is one of the most fascinating stock market stories. The stock has generated a 120,000% price return since its IPO and has consistently paid dividends since 1989, eight years after it went public in 1980. How has the company achieved such an extraordinary return? There is never only one reason for a company's success. But for Apple, if we can narrow down our answer to the most important reason for its success, it has to be about building a strong competitive advantage and moat by keeping its customers loyal and engaged for decades. And if there is any way Apple can continue growing, it has to be its ability to keep strengthening its moat. As you watch the company's announcements at the latest WWDC, you'll see evidence of the company fortifying its competitive moat. Before discussing how Apple can continue building its moat, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The most talked about portion of WWDC was the release of Apple's new augmented reality glasses. People were so excited about this product release. The virtual and augmented reality market is expected to grow 46% annually between 2021 and 2025 globally. AR and VR glasses will become a $7 billion market by 2027. So if Apple manages to even own the entire market, the new Vision Pro glasses aren't going to make a dent in the company's nearly 400 billion revenue per year. There are some caveats to my argument here, of course. 
Firstly, the AR and VR glasses can become a new platform for the developers to launch new apps, leading to higher revenue for the company down the road. And then secondly, Apple can be the market maker, meaning that the launch of Apple's VR glasses can be the trigger to expand the market beyond current expectations. Just like when iPhone was released, people never assumed the market could be as big as it is today. However, for those caveats to hold any water, it requires a much cheaper and more accessible device. AR glasses won't be anything to Apple's investors at least not now until the devices become cheaper and more accessible. But Apple's WWC wasn't all about the new ProVision AR glasses. The company talked about a slew of new features and technologies that are much more important to its future and its ability to grow revenue and expand its moat. Specifically, two things captured my attention. Firstly, Apple's M2 chips, and secondly, the continuous software improvements across all devices. Let's talk about M2 chips first. In 2021, Apple moved away from using Intel's chips in its devices and switched to designing its own chips, naming them Apple Silicon. These semiconductors are powerful and designed to handle Apple's specific needs. The company is now releasing the second generation of its chips called the M2 series, which are much more powerful and can handle extremely challenging workloads, such as enabling professional video and audio editors to stream and render high quality content. Interestingly, during the presentation, the presenters kept comparing Apple silicon-powered devices with Intel-powered ones and emphasized the superior speed and performance of Apple silicon. It kept reminding me how much Intel has fallen to the point that its stock may not be saved anymore. I've done a detailed analysis of Intel's stocks a few weeks back, which I leave a link to it in the show notes. Back to Apple, the chips are so powerful that the new Mac computers can now run high-fidelity games such as Death Stranding. These powerful semiconductors open Apple's doors to a world of computer gaming in addition to its growing mobile gaming. The chips are strong enough that famous game maker Kojima-san accepted to appear at WWDC and endorse Apple's technology, calling it a new era for Apple's gaming. Of course, it's not all about gaming. These powerful chips make all Apple devices more powerful and keep Apple at the forefront of personal devices market. The second noteworthy portion of the WWDC conference was about a slew of small but interesting software improvements and new feature releases. 
Apple is notorious for observing its users and figuring out ways to make them a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more dependent on its ecosystem. If you listen to any of the features Apple released during WWDC in isolation, they mean nothing, but they delight users at tiny moments and solve their day-to-day problems one small feature at a time. Features like better profiles, stickers, journaling on your phone, and many, many more. As they say, trenches are dug one shovel at a time. And these days, Apple's competitive moat is built one small feature and software improvement at a time. Do all that moat building and competitive advantage translate into Apple being a great investment now? Let's look at Apple's fundamental analysis. First, while revenue is down in the latest quarter, the company has been growing its revenue in the last few years. Second, Apple has an excellent growth and profit margins driven by its high-priced products and high-margin services. Third, there aren't any major changes in the company's cost structure that can be worrisome at this point. Next, the company has a stable balance sheet with more than $100 billion in cash and cash equivalents and a similar amount in debt. Five, Apple generates free cash flow with a strong 30% free cash flow to revenue ratio. And that brings us to its rather expensive valuation more than seven times in price to sales ratio and 30 times in price to earnings ratio. Can Apple grow into its valuation? That's the question. Before we discuss Apple's valuation, let me invite you to research Apple on your own. You can look up its stock card by visiting stockcard.io backslash AAPL. We built a stock card to enable fundamental investors like you to research stocks and ETFs confidently and efficiently. If Apple's valuation is too high for your liking, you can use the stock card screeners tool to find undervalued tech stocks and add your own filters to it too. I leave a link to Apple's stock card and the undervalued tech stocks screener in the show notes for your future research. Let's talk about whether Apple is overvalued and if it can get any bigger than its current $3 trillion market cap. Using common valuation ratios such as the price to earnings ratio of more than 30 times and price to sales ratio of more than 7 times that we discussed Apple is overvalued. A high valuation ratio, such as more than 30 times price to earnings, shows investors' expectation of higher earnings than profitability in the future. In this case, perhaps using a peg ratio can be a more reliable indicator of valuation. The peg ratio considers the historical growth rate of a company's earnings and paints a better picture of its valuation. 
Apple's peg ratio is two and a half times. This means Apple's investors expect the future earnings will grow faster than its historical growth rate. Is it reasonable to assume that Apple will be much more profitable in the future than what it is today? Well, there are a few things that can improve a company's profitability in the future. But for case of Apple, the most important factor could be the growing share of its services in the company's revenues. Services and software are much more profitable than hardware and devices. And we have seen the share of services grow in total Apple's revenue, which may translate to higher earnings. However, Apple is still a hardware company looking to lead the hardware market, evident by the new VR glasses launch in the latest Worldwide Developers Conference. Overall, it seems Apple is a strong, well-managed, cash-generating company that investors are too excited about now. So what should we do with Apple's stock? If you own Apple's stocks, holding onto them isn't a bad idea. It's an overvalued stock for sure, but that doesn't mean the share price will drop anytime soon. Because of its reliable dividends and market leadership, the stock is one of those shares that many indices and large funds tend to own and hold for the long term. Therefore, there is limited price drop risk, especially if no major economic crisis or unexpected factors impact Apple. If you don't have Apple's shares, buying them at the current valuation most likely wouldn't give you a significant return and it only preserves your capital. If you are looking for reliable and steady investments, picking up shares of broad market index ETFs such as SPY or some similar mutual funds would give you the same results with less risk because you will diversify by owning a broad market ETF while still owning Apple indirectly. The company is among the largest holdings of almost all broad market indices and ETFs. To find such ETFs, you can go to Apple's stock card and look for the ETFs that hold Apple in their top 25 holdings. For example, Vanguard Information Technology, ticker VGT, or iShares Global Tech ETF, ticker IXN, are ETFs with big exposure to Apple and reasonable cost and risks. By investing in them, you will benefit from possible Apple price increases while protecting yourself against possible price drops that come with owning an ETF that diversifies your holdings into other large and successful companies worldwide. It's also worth monitoring Apple's price for possible buy-the-dip opportunities. For example, if some external factors drag the stock price down while the company maintains a smote that we discussed earlier, you may have a chance to get a better return from Apple's stock. With that, I'll say goodbye and I'll see you next time.